Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. Welcome back to the Book of Daniel sermon series. Now we're in chapter nine. The goal of chapter nine is to learn of the prayer of Daniel on behalf of the covenant people, Israel, and God's response to that prayer. There are three main ideas we hope you walk away with. One, praying the scriptures, resisting vain repetition and focusing on God's larger purpose. Two, Gabriel said that God hears us and acts according to his will. And three, why does God respond to prayer? The core of God's response is being that well, he loves us. Hold on to these ideas as they're being discussed today in this week's sermon, What Heaven Does When We Pray. I love the part of that song that said God's faithfulness remains. Anybody glad that we serve a faithful God, a God that's merciful and gracious? I love Proverbs 18. It says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run in and are safe. I am so glad and delighted to be able to worship Jesus with you guys today on this beautiful Sunday morning. Uh, and when I say beautiful, it's a hot Sunday morning. Or Sunday afternoon, I should say. You know, it, it feels like like last week we just had bubble coats on, and we done switched that. I don't know if y'all switched things from from one room or the basement to another, but I'm still in the midst of switching stuff. But it it definitely has heated up. But I'm grateful uh, for just God, how good God is, and how faithful God is. Welcome to all of our first time visitors. If you're here for the first time, we are grateful that you are here. Uh, those of you who raised your hand and those of you who are online, if this is the first time you're hanging with us, uh, it really is an honor. We take it serious. It's a big deal. You could have went to any church today. You could have logged on to any church today. But the fact that you are hanging with us uh, is a big deal. We as a church believe we exist to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. And part of that mission involves us getting together. And part of that mission involves the worship and part of that mission involves the preaching of the gospel. So let's do it. Grab your Bibles and go to Daniel chapter nine. We are back in the book of Daniel. Took a couple weeks off and we are actually almost done, but we took a couple weeks off um, to deal with a couple other things. But we are back in the book of, of Daniel. Um, we like to expositionally go through the entire an entire book. Um, I said this before, but it begs repeating that, you know, it's, it's really, you know, we can't, we can't really figure out the movement of God and, you know, the timing of God and, you know, the pace of God. And some of us get really frustrated, right? You, you, when you're looking for something and you want God to do something, you want God to move a certain way. And, but I, I really do believe that going through books of the Bible really do help us to, um, to really understand the spirits moving in our life. It is not by accident that you are here today. And it is also not by accident that we're in Daniel chapter 9 today. God got something for you to hear today. God got something that he wants to speak into your life. And so, I, you know, the old saints would say we are sitting with our tent doors wide open. So I pray that you came today ready to receive, hungry for the word. And let me just say, you know, Epiph, never lose that hunger. Never lose that thirst for the word of God. This is not like this is the moment. This right now is the moment in which you can come on and just do this for me. This is the moment in which, there we go. This is the moment, I know y'all are getting frustrated with me. This is the moment in which, um, in, in which we get to hear from God, and we should never take that lightly. And, and not just this moment, but when you open your word this week, 
don't take lightly that you get to hear from God. Don't take that lightly. There we go. Don't take it lightly that you get to hear from God and that God gets to speak to you. And sometimes I think we think like, oh, like, you know, that's that's normal. The fact that a holy God that dwells in unapproachable light, a God that no sin can be in his presence, allows you to mosey on up in his presence without an appointment and not be too busy for you is sheer grace. Sheer grace. And so don't, don't, don't take lightly the moments that you get to get in the word of God. I think we have an opportunity before us to really hear from God. I personally am forever changed by the word, forever. I, I don't think the same. I don't talk the same. I don't behave the same. My decisions aren't the same. My worldview isn't the same. The word of God rocks me and I never allow it to be common. So I just want to put that out there to you guys. This is, this is the moment. This is why you came here for us to hear uh, from the Lord. Uh, let's, let's, let's dig in. Let's do it. Uh, so I'm going to be preaching today from, from Daniel chapter 9. My topic today is what heaven does when we pray. Uh, we're going to go through the entire chapter. And so instead of me reading, uh, I'd rather just, just pray and then we can kind of read a little bit and talk a little bit. What heaven does when we pray. Let's, uh, let's look to the Lord. Uh, Father, I'm, I'm, it's, it's not doesn't move past me quickly that last week, Pastor Pettis was up here saying, God hears you, God hears you, God hears you. Father, we are in your word today talking about prayer. And so, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us today right out of what you've already spoken in your word. Use a broken vessel like me. Just use me as a conduit to be able to speak your word. And so, Lord, I, I thank you. I pray for receptive hearts. I pray for spiritual earwax to be removed. I pray for hearts that are soft and palatable and able to be able to be impacted. Ultimately, Lord, I pray that you would show us Jesus. If we came in here and didn't see Jesus, we came in here in vain. If we didn't hear about Jesus being preached, we are preaching in vain. So Father, would you help us to see Jesus as we talk about what heaven does when we pray? It's in Jesus' glorious name we pray. Everybody say amen. 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 What heaven does when we pray. Um, in 1943, the U.S. military um, set out to do war against Europe and in the Pacific. In 1943, there, there was a, a major need for more copper because copper is what they used to create the, or make the, the ammo for the war. But because there wasn't enough copper, the U.S. government approved, under the authority of the, 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 um, the Congress, they approved that pennies would no longer be made in that one year. Pennies would no longer be made out of copper, but that they would be made out of steel with a thin coat of zinc on the top of them. Of course, pennies, as we know, the colors is, is brownish, orange, like a burnt orange. But when they started making them in 1943, it was silver. It was bright silver. People were, were moved by it, but the penny didn't change in terms of what was on it. Abe was still on the, on the front and on the back. I think that's the, the Lincoln Memorial was still on the back. But the color completely changed. And many people didn't, you know, didn't realize that those pennies would be extremely valuable years later because they stopped making those silver ones in 1943. By the time you move up to where we are now, those pennies are worth thousands of dollars. Don't miss this. A penny one cent is now worth thousands of dollars. In fact, in 2018, someone sold a 1943 
silver penny for $200,000. Now, I shouldn't have to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Most of y'all in this room had no clue that pennies were made out of silver in 1943. So if you go home and you open up that junk drawer and you see a silver penny in there and you sell it for $200,000, your boy just need to be hit off just a little bit. <laughs> Bring a little bit to the church. I'll give you my cash app. Hit me with a little something because your boy put you on today. And, and, and researchers have said they've only found 15 to 20 of these. And, and so they are still in circulation. And many people, they go unnoticed because over time, the zinc has worn off and the steel has turned a burnt orange. The steel has turned a darker color. So you right now could have in your wallet or in your pocketbook or at home somewhere, or you could walk by and see a penny and not realize that it's from 1943 and it was originally silver. And if you do find that, it is worth a lot. Here's the reality and my fear. For many of us, prayer is like these rare pennies. If we are not careful, we will undervalue its worth. If we are are not careful, we tend to ignore how valuable prayer is. And prayer really is valuable, really in two ways. It's valuable for you as a believer. If you've trusted in Jesus, like what relationship functions well without communication? That's all prayer is. God talks to you through the word. You talk back to him through prayer. And so it's a a two-way street that is a communication. But I don't just think that prayer is valuable for you as an individual. It is also valuable for us collectively as a church. It is important for us in community to make sure that we are praying together, which is why on Wednesday, when we do prayer and Bible study, we will not just start with Bible study. We always start with a community prayer, with time of us just kind of praying and lifting up, giving you space. There's not a lot of space in New York. You can go and just find an atmosphere where all you got to do is walk in and sit down or kneel or whatever you want to do and pray. And so we'll do that on Wednesday. But prayer is a valuable resource for you as an individual, but it's also a valuable resource for us as a church. Billy Graham, one of the most famous preachers who packed out stadiums with revivals and had a successful ministry by man's terms. This is what he said about prayer. He said, prayer is the most important thing that we could ever do. And if we could, if I could do my ministry over, I would pray more than I preached. And I don't think, I don't think, see, the problem is, let's be honest, most of us struggle with prayer. Can I just, can I preach to only real people that's going to be honest and vulnerable this afternoon? How many of y'all would say, I struggle every now and then with consistently praying? Okay, that's most of the hands. The rest of y'all, you're lying. (laughs) We all struggle. We, we, we We all start out in prayer and we end up on TikTok. We all do it. We all start out in prayer. We end up thinking about the iron being plugged in. We, we start out in prayer and we end up on our emails or somebody's Insta story. Why? Because we, it's not natural for us. It's, it's not our net. You have to have the, that's why it's called a spiritual discipline because you have to discipline yourself. And many of you, I think what really hinders you is your calendar. You look at your calendar and you got, you got something to meet and after meet and after meet and Zoom call and da, da 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 You got all of this stuff and nowhere on your calendar have you blocked off prayer. Nowhere on your calendar. And I'm not talking all day prayer. Don't get fired. But what about a good 15 minutes, God, I got to talk to you. What about a good 30 minutes, I'm going to put it on my calendar because for most of you that are wired that way, you won't pray unless it's on your calendar. I don't know about you, but sometimes I can go my whole day and be like, oh my gosh, 
I have not communicated with the Lord. Prayer is valuable. And many of us in this room are treating prayer like the 1943 silver pity. Well, we are ignoring this value. We don't know its worth. But I pray that the passage today and Daniel will help us. Now, Daniel, D- Daniel, we've been reading and we've been getting glimpse of how faithful he was in prayer. Y'all remember Daniel chapter five? He prayed so much that he got in trouble for it. And now we get to see um, not his consistency, but we get to see what happens when he prays. But this is one of the only passages in scripture where we don't only get to see Daniel send one up, but we get to see what God sends down. Let's, let's dig in. Look at verse one. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ashurus, by descent of Mede, uh, by descent of Mede, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. Don't miss verse two. Don't miss this. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books of the numbers of years. I'm, I'm sitting here going, well, what, what books are you reading? Here it is. According to the word that the Lord Uh, According to the word of the Lord, Jeremiah, the prophet, must pass before the end of the desolation of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. Verse three, then I turned my face to the Lord, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. Look up for a second. Verse two. What you see Daniel doing is Daniel is reading Jeremiah, the same Jeremiah that's in your Bible right now. Daniel was reading the prophet Jeremiah. By the way, he would have seen Jeremiah's words as the written words as authoritative pretty early. And he's reading Jeremiah and he comes to a point where he's like, oh, this exile is supposed to only happen for 70 years. So what I now need to do is now that I have this, now that I have this content and I read this in his word, I'm going to pray back to God what God already promised. God, you promised that we would only be in exile for 70 years. And so here I am going to confess, going to pray, going to fast, going to plead for mercy, going to put on sackcloth and ashes. Why? Because my prayer life was fueled by my Bible reading. I think that verse two and verse three has the ability to transform your spiritual walk. I think verse two and verse three has the ability to transform your prayer life. Because what Daniel does here is he reads the word, then he prays the word. And even when he prays, when he's praying, he's constantly quoting scripture. Let me, let me show you this. I'll just do it for real quick. Verse 11, he's quoting. This is prayer. And his prayer in verse 11, he's quoting Deuteronomy 28. In verse 14, in his prayer, he's quoting Jeremiah 31. In verse 17, in his prayer, he's quoting number six. In his prayer, in verse 19, he's quoting Deuteronomy 30. Let me do that again. Verse 11, he's quoting Deuteronomy 28. Verse 14, he's quoting Jeremiah 31. Verse 17, he's quoting number six. And verse 19, he's quoting Deuteronomy 30. What Daniel is showing us is I don't just read my word. I read and I pray. I read and I pray. I read and I pray. And many of us have compartmentalized the two. But the two go together like hove and bee. They go together like peanut butter and jelly. You can't just read the word. You got to read and say, oh, God, I found a promise. This is what you said. And God ain't mad. My sons do it to me all the time. Let me promise something to them. They're going to be like, you know, you said, and they're going to keep, and they're going to annoy me with it. But the difference is, I don't even got to make a promise. I can make a suggestion. And they receive it as a promise. The difference is God ain't annoyed. 
God's sitting in heaven going, oh, you oh, you going to read my word back to me. You're going to give me back my word. And God begins to respond. And so don't just read through the Bible plan in a year. Pray through the Bible plan in a year. That's what we had. That will change your prayer life. And sometimes we sit down. You ever sit down? You're like, I don't even know what to pray. Those are the moments where you got to read the word and pray back to God the word. I was in a discipleship group years ago. The guy was discipling me and a couple of other people. And uh, he said, you know what? For the next year, we're going to just read through Psalm uh, 119. It's the longest psalm. And every Monday morning at 6 a.m. And we're going to read through it. We're going to read a section and we're going to pray. We're going to read a section. We're going to pray that. And we're going to read a section. We're going to pray that. And it transformed. That year transformed the way I thought about Bible reading. And it transformed the way I thought about prayer. Now I realize that I want to pray back to God his promises. Do you realize that the Bible has over 8,810 promises in it? Did you get that? Almost 9,000 promises that God is like, I just want you to read it and say it back to me. And this is essentially what prayer is. Prayer is dependency, but prayer is trusting that God's word is always true. That when you say something, I can take it to the bank. And that is exactly what Daniel is doing. He is reading a promise and he's going back and saying, God, you said we's only going to be here for 70 years. And so here I am, sackcloth, ashes, fasting, prayer. I'm going to communicate it back to you. Do you know that the Bible has has, has forgiveness as a promise? That there are promises on restoration of relationships. There are promises on parenting. There are promises on marriage. There there are promises on provision. And so when you read the word, no matter what season of life you're in, you need to do a Bible study on that season of life and then pray it back to God. That will transform your prayer life. There are some personal prayers that I'm praying right now that I'm reading through the word and I'm going, oh, God, I found another one. And you bound by your word. You, you going you to do your word because you don't lie. You like to fulfill promises. And so I'm just going to throw one back up to you. And, Lord, I pray that you boomerang that thing and throw it back down to me. Somebody just look up to heaven and say, boomerang it back down, Lord. <laughs> Sometimes you got to pray prayers like, God, you said in Deuteronomy 28, 13, that you will make me the head and not the tail. God, I'm feeling like the tail, but you promised that I wasn't going to be that. You, you got to pray stuff like, God, you promised in Psalm chapter 84, verse 11, that if I walk up right before you, no good thing will you withhold from me. And so, God, I'm going to send that one back up to you. You got to pray prayers like, God, you promised in Isaiah chapter 26 that if I keep my mind stayed on you, you would keep my mind in perfect peace. Somebody came in here right now with anxiety. You came in here with depression. You came in here with emotional issues. You better grab Isaiah 26 and throw it back up to the Lord and say, you said you're going to keep my mind. If I kept it on you, God, send that one back down. Somebody need to pray Philippians chapter 4 verse 19. God, you said that you will supply every need according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. When I just said Philippians, I thought about the young girl uh, on TikTok that said Philip and onions. I don't know if y'all saw that or not. But Philippians says, God, you'll supply every need. Do you know every means every? There's not a need that I should have. Why? Because I can boomerang this thing back up to you in prayer. So here we are. Daniel is like, God, I found something that you said through the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah wrote it. It's your word. I believe it's true. I believe it's authoritative. But I'm not just going to read it and take notes. I'm going to read it. 
going to try to apply it. And when I find a promise, I'm sending it back up to you. Would you write this down? The quality of your prayer life will be directly impacted by your proximity to the word. Country Wayne said, let that marinate like neck bones. I'm going to let that sit for a second. Let me say that again. The quality of your prayer life will be directly impacted by your proximity to the word. If we want to know why our prayers don't feel like they have depth, I wonder if it's because our Bible intake doesn't have depth. Casual Bible readers are casual with prayer. Finicky Bible readers are finicky with prayer. And I'm only speaking from experience. I know that my prayers are weak and all over the place when I ain't in my word, because when I'm in my word, I'm able to be cohesive. I'm able, I'm able to speak back to God the things that he spoke to me. And so if you want to beef up your prayer life, you need to brief up your prayer life, not by starting in petitions. You need to beef up your prayer life by reading the word and going back up to God with it. Is this helping? Is this making sense at all? The word of God is true. It's, it's, it's right. It's, it's rich. And so Daniel says, I found something in Isaiah. Isaiah, your word says that 70 years we was going to be in exile. So, Lord, here I am reminding you of what you said. Now, what happens when Daniel prays? Daniel prays and we get to see what heaven does. Watch what heaven does in verse 20. While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people, Israel, and presenting my plea before the Lord, my God, for the holy heel of my God. While I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, that's the angel Gabriel, whom I had seen in a vision at first, came to me swiftly or swift in the night. Don't, 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 you got to underline that. That's important. At the time of the evening sacrifice, he made me understand, speaking with me and saying, oh, Daniel, I have now come out to give you insight and understanding at the beginning of your pleas. Let me say that again, because I don't know if we understand how God moved at the beginning of your pleas for mercy. A word went out and I have come to tell it to you for you are greatly loved. Therefore, consider the word and understand its vision. Don't just miss what happened. What Daniel did was Daniel at the beginning of the passage read Jeremiah, prayed it back to God. As soon as he started praying, soon as he started praying, God started to move. And so, so what, what God was doing was he was sitting in heaven. I don't know what he'd be doing in heaven, but he's sitting up there chilling on the throne. And Daniel started praying. And God was like, oh, my, my servant is praying. Gabriel, go. Gabriel, whew, I don't know how angels fly. But whew, whew. Gabriel, because don't, don't miss this. Gabriel wasn't zapped there. Gabriel didn't blink his eyes and God sent him there. It said swift flight. So in other words, Gabriel flew all the way from heaven. And by the time Daniel finished, Gabriel was standing there. The, don't miss this. The answer to the prayer was there by the time he said amen. And this is why it's so important, man. So many of you are going, oh, God, you know, the reason I don't pray because I feel like it hit, the, it hit the ceiling and it come back down. I feel like you don't hear it. But do you realize by the time you said amen, God was like, oh, I'm already moving some things around. You, you ain't even got to finish the prayer. I'm already moving some things around. 
And so God started to send Gabriel. And I don't know if y'all are like this, but sometimes my mind is so immature. When I'm reading the scripture, I'm going, how fast did Gabriel fly? Y'all, y'all ever did? I'm going like, either Daniel is praying slow, because I read the prayer. Verse 4 to verse 19 is the prayer. Either Daniel is praying real slow or Gabriel is moving at lightning speed. Can we just do it? I, I was going to read the prayer, and just, but I decided I, was, I want y'all to read the prayer. Can I have two volunteers, two people that would say, I, I ain't afraid, I'm bold, I'll read the prayer. And if you come up here, whoever reads it the fastest, I, I'm praying for your brunch today. So I, I want to see somebody that's willing to, 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 to pray. Who, who's that in the back? I can't see you. Who's that? Ronnie, Ronnie, come up here. My brother right here. And by the way, his shirt says, God took his time, but you better not take your time reading. (laughs) Hold up. Come on. Here we go. I got two mics. I got two mics. Here's one for you. Stand on this side. I got you. I got you. Hold on. Y'all asking a lot of questions. Hold on. Well, go get your Bible, Renee. Go get it. Run, 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 run. Fly like the angel. All right. I got you. What what translation you got? The the message? All right. That's cool. Renee, what translation you read from? ESV? Can you read CSV? CSV. Come up here. Come up here. Come on. We on camera. Can you, can you, can you use my Bible? Okay. So this is, oh, come on. It ain't more spiritual. It's just a word. So we're going to do verse four. Where's verse four? Verse four. And we're going to do the 19, which is the end of this, the break. All right. All right. So this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. It's real simple. I came ready. I bought a stopwatch with me. And so what we're going to do is whoever can read it the fastest, don't say, hey, where are we stopping? Because you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna mess up. So go four to verse 19. No, no, no. One at a time. So you, my brother, what's your name? Nick, Nick is going to read first. Y'all, we're going to time it. And when I say go, you just start going. When you get to 19, I'll stop. Ready? Go. I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love, but these who, who love him and keep his commandments... We have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled against and rebelled turning aside from your commandments and rules. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets who spoke in your name, to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. To you, O Lord, belongs righteousness. But to us, open shame as at this day to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and to all of Israel, those who are near and those who are far away in all the lands which have driven them because of the treachery that have committed against you to us, O oh Lord, belongs open shame to our kings, to our princes, to our fathers, because we have sinned against you to the Lord our God, belong mercy and forgiveness for you. Good. We have rebelled against him and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by walking in his laws, which he set before us, his servants, the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice and the curse and oath that are written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out upon us because we have sinned against him. He has confirmed his words, which he spoke against us and against our rulers who ruled us by bringing us upon great calamity. For under the whole whole heaven, there has not been done anything like what has been done against Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all his calamity has come upon us, yet we have not entered the favor of the Lord our God, turning from our iniquities and gaining insight by your truth. Therefore, the Lord has kept ready the calamity and has brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all the works that he has done, and we have not obeyed his voice. And now, O Lord our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand, and we have made a name for yourself, as at this day we have sinned, we have done (laughs) wickedly. 
O Lord, according to all your righteousness, ask, let your anger and your wrath turn away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy hill, because of our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem, and your people have become a byword among all who are around us. Now, therefore, our God, listen to the prayer for your servants and his pleas for mercy and your, sake, and your own sake, O Lord. Make your face to shine upon your sanctuary, which is desolate, O God. Oh, my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city that is called by your name. For we do not present our pleas before you because of righteousness, because, but because of your great mercy. Oh, Lord, hear. Oh, Lord, forgive. Oh, Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake. Oh, my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. Ah. Here we go. Nick, you're not too hungry. I could tell. No, that's, that's great. I appreciate you, bro. I'm joking. I'm joking. His time was 2.38. Now, Ronique, you got a little advantage because I saw you scrolling, so you was, you was looking at the words, but we're going we gonna to get to it. You ready? Come over, come over here. Come over so we can see you. All right. You're going to 4 to verse 19. Ready? 4 to 19, right? Yes, that's it. Ready? Go. I pray to the Lord my God and confess our Lord, the great and awe-inspiring God, who keeps his gracious covenant with those who love him and keep his commands. We have sinned, done wrong, acted wickedly, rebelled, turned away from our commands, ordinances. We have not listened to our servants, the prophets, who spoke our name, spoke, spoke in their name to our Keep kings, going. leaders, ancestors, and all the people of the land. Uh, Lord, your righteous, Lord, righteousness belongs to you, but this day public shame belongs to us, the men of Judah, the residents of Jerusalem, and all Israel, those who are near and those who are far, and all the countries where you have banished them. Because of this loyalty, they have shown toward you, Lord, public shame belongs to us, our kings, and our ancestors, because we have sinned against you. Compassion and forgiveness belong to the Lord, our God. Uh, though we have rebelled against him and have not obeyed the Lord, our God, by following his instructions that he set before us through his servants, the prophets, all Israel has broken our, your law and turned away, refusing to obey you. The promised curse written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, has been poured onto us because we have sinned against him. He has carried out his words that, spoke, that he spoke against us and our rulers by bringing unto us disaster that is so great that nothing like what is done to Jerusalem has ever been done under all of heaven. Just as it is written in the, Lord, in the law of Moses, all the disaster has come unto us. Yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord, the Lord our, our God, by turning away from our iniquities, paying attention to your truth. So the Lord kept the disaster in mind and brought it unto us, for the Lord our God is righteous in all he has done. But we, did not, we have not disobeyed him. Now, Lord, our God, who brought uh, your people out of the land of Egypt with a strong hand and made your name renowned, as it is this day, we have sinned, we have acted wickedly. Lord, even with all your righteous acts, may your anger and wrath turn away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy mountain, because of our sins and the iniquities of our ancestors, Jerusalem, you and your people have become an object of ridicule to all those around us. Therefore, our God, hear the prayer and the petitions of your servant. Make your face shine on the desolate sanctuary for the Lord's sake. Listen closely, my God, and hear. Open your eyes and I see our desolations in the city. Not bear your name. We're not presenting our petitions before you based on our righteous acts, but you based on your abundant compassion. Lord, hear. Lord, forgive. Lord, listen and act, my God, for you on our sake. Do not delay because your city and people bear your name. Stop. <laughs> Woo! She started speeding up at the end. Two minutes and 18 seconds. <laughs> y'all fist bump. Come on, come on. But because y'all, y'all read about mercy, you, you can go to lunch too, bro. Amen. God is good. God is good. 
So here, here's the crazy thing. By the time they finish, and I don't know what the average of 238 and 218 is, but by the time they finish, do you realize Gabriel was there? By the time they finish, let me move Gabriel. Do you realize that by the time they finish, the answer to the prayer was there? Now, I'm not saying or suggesting that when you leave out of here, you pray and you time it and you open your eyes and Gabriel's going to be there. That, that's, not what I'm, that's not what I'm saying. But I am saying the moment you started praying, heaven started moving. Yeah. The moment you started praying, God was like, oh, okay, Gabriel, let, let's start to prepare. And here's the thing. Many of us, sometimes we think that the answer is the blessing. The fact that God heard is actually the blessing. And you know, another part of prayer that's a blessing isn't just that he answered the prayer. Sometimes it is a blessing when he doesn't. You ever pray for something? you like, God, I thank you that you didn't answer that one. Anybody pray for a spouse and you look back on Facebook and you're like, God, I thank you that you didn't answer that one. Unanswered prayers can be a blessing. But here's what I think the point is, that Daniel prayed and heaven moved. That is the point. And so when I am looking at how fast God sent down this answer and how Gabriel was standing there, it messes me up. And I know what you're doing with your sanctified mind. I can see it on your eyes right now. What you're doing is going, yeah, but God going to move like that because it's Daniel. Because Daniel had it all together. But I don't know if you heard the prayer. They read it really fast. Nick and Ronique read it so fast you might have missed it. But the prayer was a prayer of confession of sin. So it's not that Daniel has it all together. Daniel is confessing Israel's sin, and Daniel is confessing his own sin. In fact, verse 20 says, when I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin. So God moved on behalf of Daniel despite the fact that Daniel didn't have it all together. And many of you in this room, you're going, oh, God, you, you never, you know, I know you're not going to answer my prayer. It's no way you're going to answer it because, you know, I'm too dirty. Let me mess us up. We are too dirty. We are too dirty to, and unworthy to be heard by God. But do you realize that you don't have enough dirt more than his mercy? He answers your prayer, not because of your righteousness. He answers prayers and hears prayers because he is righteous. In fact, they read it so fast, you might have missed it. But he says in verse number 18, for we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness. We present them because of your great mercy. The reason God hears you is because he's merciful. The reason God answers you is because he's merciful. The reason God doesn't answer you is because he's merciful. Never, ever, 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 ever size up God's uh, 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 ability to answer the prayer based on the sin that we're in. Now, I'm not saying stay there. I'm not suggesting that you can live life any old way and then just communicate with God. Sin does break fellowship. It, it does break a connection. But I am saying that, that it should move you to pray. It should move you to pray to know that you can come undone and God will answer your prayer. Somebody in this room hasn't, hasn't prayed to God in a long time. And the reason you haven't prayed is because you feel unworthy. But can I show you not just that God answers prayer because of his mercy, but he also answers it because he loves you. Okay, I'm going to end right here. Look at verse 23. At the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out, and I have come to tell you, for you are, watch the words, greatly loved. God answered Daniel because he's merciful, but God also answered Daniel because God is loving. 
can somebody just say that like God loves me? You know, a lot of times I, I feel like, you know, we wrestle with that. You know, we, we size God up based on, you know, our father and how we receive love from our father. But the reality is God loves you unconditionally. There's, it's not conditional attachment. His covenant with you, eternal salvation isn't covenantial. It, I mean, it isn't conditional. It's covenantial. It's because he is good. Let me go deeper with this idea that God loves you based on the fact that the God answers prayers based on the fact that he loves you. Let me go a little bit deeper. Some of you in this room don't understand God's love, and so it stopped you from, from praying. Because what you identified as God's love, you made, you sized it up with the season of life you're in right now. And so you go, oh man, I'm in a hardship. So there's no way that God can love me. But can we be honest? Daniel doesn't look like God loves him. Can, can we just, like, we're ending the book soon. Let's just go back and look at Daniel. Daniel, uh, you're talking about somebody that's in exile. He's a refugee. He's been kidnapped. He's been enslaved possibly castrated. He's lived under uh, oppression. He's been betrayed by co-workers. Remember, they tried to set him up. He's grieved the death of friends. You ain't hear about his three friends since chapter five. And many have suggested that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego died in chapter five. And so he's grieved friends. He's lived under constant danger. He's uh, lived under different regime changes, which could have been detrimental to his life. And so when you look at Daniel, he doesn't look loved by God, but Gabriel flies there and he says, oh, baby, you're greatly loved. Don't do not size God up by the season of life you're in right now. A better litmus test for the love of God is always the cross. So it's always the cross. This is what keeps me anchored when I'm in season of hardship. When I'm in a season of hardship, I'm never going, God, you don't love me. I think back, oh, you, I'm loved more than anything at the cross. The, the cross is the greatest place and the greatest demonstration and the greatest display of the love of, of the love of God. The fact that God would send his one and his only son to die for people that didn't love him back is nothing but God's love. Do you know in Ephesians chapter two, it goes on talking about how sinful we are and we are disobedient. It's going all these words. By the time you get to chapter four, uh, verse number four, it says with the great love in which he loved us. He loves you, not just loves, but he is madly in love with you. The Hebrew word for greatly loved, it means precious, it means highly esteemed, you. Oftentimes we stop praying because we're going, God, there's no way you love me. Do you know what I did last night? And that's some of y'all in the room right now, and I'm not beating you up. Some of you right now, you feel dirty and unworthy of God's love, but he's like, no, pray to me. Talk to me. Why? Because my love isn't predicated on you holding on to me. It's me holding on to you, and so I love you. You're greatly loved. What would it take to be more consistent in prayer this week? And I'm not saying you got to kill it. I'm not saying you got to spend all your day praying, listen, sis, you'll be fired. Don't do that. But I am saying believers never get far away from a prayer. It's always close by. Believers have to be uh, uh, serious about making sure that it's a part of their schedule, their daily schedule. We have to make sure that we don't make quick decisions. I got I to gotta, I gotta get back to you because I got to pray. I got to talk to my God. Who is it? What is it that you have to remove, that you have to move? Some of you, it's your, it's your phones. It's your screen time. It's social media. Some of you, it's a person. 
And you, the whole time I'm preaching, you're going, oh, God, I knew he's going to go there. I got to remove her. She's a distraction. He's a distraction. And, and God is like, yo, he's not mad. He's like, yo, I miss you. I greatly love you. I'm going to receive you because of my mercy, not because of your righteousness. And so, therefore, remove whatever it is so that you can get a connection with me. You know, Paul says in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Continue steadfastly. That means always pray. If you prayed last week, one time, here's what I want you to do. I'm not saying you got to pray 10 times this week. What if you doubled it and just prayed twice? What, what, what if, what, however long you prayed last week, whatever the depth of your prayer was last week, what if you just simply double it this week? Give God more time. Why? Because he misses you. Why? Because he wants you. Many of us in this room have treated prayer like that 1943 silver penny. And it's sitting there and it's, doesn't have, you know, doesn't have any value for you. But today God wants to do something. Let's pray. Let's, let's exercise this thing called prayer. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you so much for all that you're doing. Thank you, oh God, for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for how you deal with unworthy people. Father, I pray, oh God, that as we talk about you responding, thank you that you hear and, and move, but I thank you, oh God, that you only respond. You hear it all, but you only respond to that which is according to your will. That's grace. We thank you, God. Thank you for midday access to you. Thank you that we don't have to worry and guess where you are. We don't have to, we don't have to call your assistant. We, we can just open up our mouths and pray to you. We thank you. It's in your son's name that we pray. And this week, do something in our, in our prayer lives. Do something in our Bible reading. May we pray back to you what you've given to us, which is your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.